Hello and welcome to the Human Factor Podcast, a series of conversations discussing the topics and themes influencing the world of work today. My name is Michael Esau. I'm a global HXM advisor at SAP. My name is Simon Humphreys. I'm a solution architect at SAP. So Simon, episode 23, which is great, talking about the um, art of attraction. I think you and I were very clear about the emphasis of uh, this episode, because I think this is one of those perennial challenges, perennial processes that continues to get a little bit more challenging as the external context that we all live and work in evolves at a rapid pace. So what are you looking forward to specifically from this conversation? So I think in our previous podcast, we we looked back in time, didn't we? And we, we even referenced Pliny the Elder. The point is that recruitment has been around for a long time. I think what I'm particularly interested then is in our guests' views on current recruitment, because I think it is a little bit different. But it's not just now attracting candidates, it's keeping them as well, especially in that crucial period when they've just joined and you know, you're trying to make sure that you can deliver on promises. So very much interested to hear thoughts, what's relevant in today's world, what do people look for? How about yourself? Very similar. I think I'm looking forward to our guests' insights and observations on the process, the experience, the emotion around it, and also just those general observations around what's working, you know, what's not working, what is being observed maybe in the customers in terms of behavior, attitudes, mindset, because I think there is a huge mindset shift, I think, that needs to happen when it comes now to attracting talent and then recruiting talent and keeping talent. So I I think this will be a very lively conversation. I think we've got a very passionate guest. So let's see. Let's see. We are delighted to welcome Laura Leyland, co-founder of Fresh Perspective, an award-winning entrepreneur, revolutionizing recruitment with her sister Emily and their fantastic family of freshies. If you want to ease the pain of recruitment, grow your business, improve customer service, keep hold of your terrific team, save money and have some fun and laughs in the process, then these are the gals to call. They even have their own podcast and award ceremony, The Freshies, which is designed to celebrate the people of the Northwest for simply being amazing. So Laura, welcome to the Human Factor podcast. We are absolutely delighted to have you as a guest with us on this episode. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Oh, you're more than welcome. I think this is going to be a lively episode. I think this is going to be full, full of energy, full of enthusiasm, full of passion. So we're talking about the art of attraction. It's, I think we're all abundantly clear. We're in a new era. And what we keep hearing is that the attraction, the recruitment, the retention of talent is just getting harder. It's just getting more difficult. So this particular episode if we can just put it into context. It has been over 100 years since the job interview was started by the inventor of the alkaline storage battery, movie camera, and the light bulb. That person was Thomas Edison. In 1921, Edison was a genius and frustrated with the university graduates who would ask him for a job, and so he developed a general knowledge test. The questions were a mix of literature, history, geography, with some related directly to the job available. The Smithsonian Institute reports only 7% of applicants could pass the 146-question quiz. Newspapers of the time reported Edison's new method of eliminating candidates, which led to more companies using questionnaires. Eventually, the process evolved into the system most used today. Now, as we head further into this decade, I'm sure aspects of what Edison did 100 years ago will still exist in some processes today. But the whole process of sourcing, attracting and actually recruiting someone is very different today. And much debate centers on who actually is in control of the process, the candidate or the employer. The attraction and retention of talent has always been a perennial challenge, but data is telling us that it's getting harder. Taking into account demographic changes and aging workforce, the impact, the impact of Brexit, there are more open positions today than required candidates. When we also consider more people are choosing to work for themselves, we can see why attraction and retention is getting harder. Is it more than that? Has consumerization also changed how we look at the process, expecting a seamless, frictionless process, not a long, 
drawn out, clunky process. It's clear there is much to debate. <laughs> it's fascinating, really. When I was doing my research, Laura, I didn't realise that Thomas Edison, who I obviously connected to the light bulb, was also involved in recruitment. So that was quite an in interesting insight. That's brand new information to me today. I feel like I've already learned something. <laughs> Every day is a learning day. So we always tend to start with a bit of a scene setter. We sort of try and ask our guests to sort of take that step back and think about their own perspective. So if we sort of just look at the world of attract and recruit, you know, in 2022 at a very, very high level, how are you personally reflecting on it? It's so different at the moment. I, I remember when I went fresh out of uni, um, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, going to my interviews. And I was, I think, verbally kicked around the room in a lot of situations. Sometimes I came out crying. And I just learned from like 20, 20 21, 22, that that was what an interview was supposed to be. And I think a lot of people have that experience where you are grilled or were grilled to within an inch of your life competency-based questions with the name of the game, with some random questions. I think the most weird question I got asked was, if you were to eat a jelly baby, which end of the jelly baby would you eat first and why? <laughs> I was like, wow, okay. So I said the head because then it, that's it, quick death. <laughs> I wouldn't know I was eating the rest of it. Um, and that I just kind of as I've grown into, um, you know, and a professional uh, businesswoman and being to more interviews and more specifically throughout my career, being involved in a lot of interviews, I started to think that this is just, this is not conducive to getting the best out of people. That is what an interview is. Um, whatever, whatever you want to call it, a conversation, a chat, a meeting of the minds, an interview, it's two people usually, or two sides, there may be more interviewers in the meeting, trying to get to know each other, establishing a relationship, building rapport, asking and answering questions. It doesn't need to be stressful and intimidating because you don't get the best out of people. People are trying so hard to be what they think you want them to be and not being themselves because they aren't relaxed. They're really nervous. It's a very stressful situation. And it's changed so much. I think the world of work has changed so much. Now it is a very old fashioned kind of viewpoint that you go to work to work. You're not there to make friends, You're not there to have a nice time. You get your money, you come home and then that's the separate parts of your life. A couple of years ago, uh, that's all started to change. People are more interested in work-life balance. Uh, they want more from, from work. They want to enjoy being there. They want to have fun. They want, they want to love what they do. And I think post-COVID, even more so, and companies are having to do a lot more in the interviews, especially at the moment with it being a candidate marketplace, to woo intrigue and um, mystify and get uh, and captivate the candidates it's not one-sided anymore it's very much a two-way street and I think a lot of businesses really need to get up to speed with that or else they're going to get left behind there's a key word in there I think you use which was to woo and I know there's a comical nature to the word but I think there's a real there's an element of truth and I'm going to ask you a sort of a follow-on question but Simon I think you may have a uh, an early question or follow-up yeah, I love the insight you've, uh, the perspective you've given there, Laura, especially, you know, your experiences. Uh, and mine were the same. I think when I when I was growing up, I was obviously much younger. And I think at the time, the recruitment exercise felt like I was having to convince somebody that, of my worth. And I think as I've grown older and my skills have developed, but I think as the recruitment process has matured, it's a two-way street now. I think it's not only for me to convince somebody that I'm worthy, but the other way around. I think those people have to convince me that I want to join them, I think. And you know, your analogy of you know wooing somebody, I think, is so relevant now. I think that's that's probably what I've observed most changing in that interview process. It's, it's much more two-way now. I think when we were designing the episode, Laura, Simon and I were sitting down and thinking about the emphasis. I can see this being the word that we're going to use throughout wooing. Being able, I think, to attract talent and get someone to consider your organization is one thing, but then you have to recruit them. So it, it, there is almost that you have to now master both elements. And I, and I genuinely believe that getting somebody to consider your organization in the first place has become much harder. And I would really welcome your 
observations on that? I mean, you've given us a sort of a scene set on how you've seen that change. Are you hearing that also that is a passive candidate not considering an organization because they don't know them, they're not interested in the industry, they don't know who they are or, or anything of that nature? So even that getting somebody to consider them as an option or, or, or even a consideration feels like an area that's got to have more focus. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. It's a competition for talent. I think it always has been, but it's even more so that way. And people are really going to have to take more of a proactive um, and considered and strategically targeted approach to recruitment and going out and finding candidates. So when uh, the pandemic hit, advert levels spiked for obvious reasons when we were allowed out um into a beer garden eventually i think it was that last may the whole month was like a ghost town hardly anybody applied to adverts and we were like crikey what is happening what are we going to do and they came back a little bit but they never went back to what they were pre-pandemic and they still haven't they've started to creep up a little bit more recently over the last month or two because we Recruiters have not been spending as much money with the job boards. They're having to do additional marketing campaigns to get more candidates on board. Because when we've always done a massive proactive outreach campaign to candidates, we will do social campaigns and ad campaigns. There are more reactive elements of our process. We've always gone out. So headhunting, networking, generating referrals, taking opportunities to candidate with an exciting, energetic, enthusiastic sales and marketing campaign, which is what I really think recruitment is. It's sales and marketing bunched together and we've called we've called it recruitment because it's related to candidates. We're having to do more and more of that. So it's not an issue to us. But when we are going contacting candidates, they're looking for jobs, but they're not applying to them. So businesses that take a bit more of a reactive approach who've all well we've always put an ad out and indeed is what i hear all the time but for some reason it's just not working like it used to because the market has changed and shifted and um, you have to go out and find the candidates you've got to take your business and your opportunity to them it has to be proactive and and targeted and specific or else you are just going to get missed people are not going to see you if you've not got um an employer branding campaign and strategy where you have an online presence you have to be online these days people if they don't know about you and they're a passive candidate like you mentioned michael they aren't going to go and search you out and look at your website and look at your fancy careers page it is not enough these days you yeah. have to be on maybe tiktok you've got to be on linkedin facebook instagram twitter you've, you have to have much more of a proactive campaign and I've always said the main things for me in any recruitment process is personality and communication so it's communicating the personality of your business which is your culture to the masses in any any places that you can think of where candidates might be hanging out and then you have to maintain that throughout your initial call your response to an advert um, your interviews your interview confirmation how you do that how you offer a candidate you know it has to be done verbally and with energy and passion to get them excited and that personality and communication needs to be maintained throughout the entire process even so when they start on day one and it has to be exciting it has to be energetic or else they're just going to lose interest and go elsewhere absolutely i think when we were doing the prep and we were sharing some of our thoughts on the episode i think i showed my age a little bit because i said to you didn't i the employee value proposition the evp yeah. which is quite <laughs> i think it is a bit of an old term in, in many respects and i probably need to reword it but in many respects again this links back to demographics it went out of vogue because I think there was a plentiful amount of talent in the marketplace, plentiful amount of skills. You know, the demographic was suggesting that we didn't have shortfalls. The, the aging workforce peak hadn't quite arrived. So it went out of vogue. I think organizations got lazy. It was almost like employer, employer led, but it's back in fashion. I don't think there's any doubt about that. So Simon and I regularly will will meet with our customers. We we talk to CHROs, we talk to HRDs, we get their impressions on the market, what's going on, and they're now being very candid and honest. They are thinking very much about how do we reflect our culture socially, externally? How do we bring it to life? And I go back 20 years. My CEO at the time was adamant that we did a huge piece of work around what our EVP was. But in her viewpoint, she said, you've got to express the culture of how we work. And so, for example, she said, I don't want to see the word fun anywhere in our EVP. And she explained it. She said, that's a byproduct. 
Of course I want somebody to have fun, but they're not here to have fun. They're here to be stretched, challenged, to grow, to develop, you know, to all of these things. And I hope they have fun doing it. But we need to then be clear on what do we expect from them? You know, it's a two-way street, isn't it? Again, I would be really interested in, in terms of the conversations you're having with your customers in the market. Are you seeing real efforts? You mentioned TikTok, for example. You know, what efforts are you seeing that really stand out for you where an organization is firmly putting their brand or their culture out there and you can see it and you can feel it? What are your some of your uh, observations on that? Or what effective strategies are you seeing? So video is is where it's it's at and it's probably the last especially over the last couple of years maybe the last four or five that's when kind of videos come into it but um it really kicked off I suppose o- over the pandemic when we, that's only how we could communicate with each other but it really conveys a message and you can use video in in such a positive and, and differing way so it could be the owner of the business talking about the values the culture why they set up the business how they feel about their people how important they are to them or you could get a 60 second video on the employee saying the favorite thing about working for the business and and that goes those short videos go so far into demonstrating culture and how people feel in companies which is what candidates when you you talk about EVP we always ask candidates what what do you want we run we do recruitment audits we do anonymous employee surveys we speak to so many candidates we're always asking them what are they not getting in their current position that they would want somewhere else and it's to feel valued cared about important listened to recognized to have progression opportunities to feel like they are truly part of a team that they truly fit with the culture gone are the days where people just go to work and they they work with colleagues like I don't I don't really hear that word as much like employees staff colleagues are, are words I try to stay away from I prefer team and people um instead and and they want flexibility they want to be treated with respect they want autonomy they want responsibility but these days yes they might want a hybrid working model whereas a lot of businesses think they're more tangible things they want discounted gym memberships they want um benefits such as health insurance, life insurance, death in service, things like that. They want holidays, they want early finish incentives, um, they want that, that you know the tools and technology that will allow them to work flexibly. It, it's changed so much and how you can convey that to the candidate marketplace very efficiently is by using social media, video and a glass door has really come on re- a lot more over the last few years than it ever has before, which is if people who are listening don't know what it is. Glassdoor, I explain it, is very much like TripAdvisor, but for businesses where current and previous employees leave anonymous reviews about what it's like to work for you, which sounds mildly terrifying <laughs> to some um, and people that have been in your interview process who haven't got the job can also leave an interview review. So it's more important than it ever has been before to positively promote your business and engage with people right throughout the, the recruitment and interview process. And even when the you know, the work doesn't stop when they start and you onboard them like that and energy and, and excitement needs to be maintained throughout their onboarding and their induction. And it has to it has to be a reflection of what it's actually like to work for the company. It can't be, can't be getting them there under false pretenses or else they're not going to hang around uh, and you're not going to retain them. So it's honesty, I suppose, and transparency on top of like the positivity, the passion, the energy and the excitement. You said something there about labels, that you avoid certain labels. And recently, and I'm starting to build this in to a lot of my dialogue and some of the presentations that I'm going to be delivering in the coming months, I think there needs to be a narrative change, a quite a big one, actually. You also mentioned there about what are people actually looking for from work in terms of being valued, listened, recognized, etc. One of my favorite TED Talks is by Boston Consulting Group, and they recorded it in 2014, and it was on the 2030 workforce crisis, so eight years ago. And they interviewed over 200,000 job seekers globally, I think the next generation is very mobile. So I think the data was showing something like over 80% of students in France don't want to end up working in France. They want to go to the States or Australia or other countries. And the, the top five things they were looking for were all cultural. So relationship with peers, relationship with their manager. The top one was being recognized. And I just wonder, in terms of this narrative shift, 
The DNA of a human being hasn't changed in the last hundred years, but our preferences and expectations of how we want to work, where we want to work and when we want to work has changed night and day. But have we reflected that in our narrative? Simon, welcome your thoughts on uh, what we've discussed so far. I was just actually reflecting on the really here and now with the cost of living crisis. Has that thinking actually changed as well? Are some people simply looking to move to get more money because they can't afford to stay in the job that they've got because of the pressures on the pay packet from all of these different directions? We're seeing strikes all around the country evolving and growing. We're seeing energy prices fluctuating, for example, sometimes quite wildly. Is that also driving people to consider moving jobs? Uh, So therefore, a little bit more tactical in terms of their shift rather than a little bit more philosophical or strategic and and looking for some of these uh, higher value items. I I think it does have, um, it's playing a big part at the moment. And what really comes across to us is that in some of the businesses that these people are moving on from because they need more money, when we ask them, because I'm always aware of counter offers and things like that um, to protect our time, protect our customers and protect the candidates, like moving jobs is a big deal. And I think people need to realise that, especially employers and interviewers, like it's a massive deal for some people if they've been at a place for a really long time, like it's a big decision and a leap of faith, if you will. But when I asked them, have you had this conversation with your current company? And they say no. And I asked them why. It's because they don't feel like they could have that conversation. They don't feel like it will go well. And that links to me back to the inclusion, being valued, cared about, important, transparency, honesty and trust. And so you build all these things up in your recruitment process. You you have those things in your business and you'll you'll recruit the right people. You'll keep the right people. But a lot of businesses are, are missing this trick. So they have no idea that their employees are unhappy with either lack of progression, uh, needing more money because their employees don't feel comfortable talking to them. So then suddenly they resign and like, oh, my goodness, is there anything we could do? By that point, it's too late. They've already switched off. They've accepted another job they've made that decision whereas if they did a lot more work on the culture and employee engagement and cared for their team members made them feel like they were safe they could be heard they could be honest and they'd have those conversations with them more realistically like right okay we had no idea what can we do can we change their job can we be more flexible do they want to work a different area maybe we should have reviewed salaries it it, it can because you forget as a business owner sometimes and a a manager or a leader of people you're dealing with the day-to-day you're focused on the future you're fighting fires you're working on strategy sometimes you don't stop and look and go right we need to review this we need to look at what we did there and can we make it better and when someone mentions it to you you're so grateful you're like thank you so much for your honesty because I had no idea that's how you were feeling I didn't even think about it in that way and so the trust the transparency the the positive culture is so important for so many reasons and like what you 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 just said Simon like that would stop them from being surprised that people moving on for more money and give them the opportunity to keep hold of people but but yeah the cost of living crisis is definitely pushing people to make decisions sooner than they probably would have definitely was that's the pendulum right because because everybody's reality is different isn't it that the the cost of living is no doubt is it's pinching for some people and, and being able to earn uh, extra money is a major major driver the other bit though just building on the back of the evp that i just wanted to just dig into a little bit more is we just hear often now that this is a candidate led market they hold the power they really really are setting out the the, the sort of conditions if you like so we know salary money etc those hygiene factors will always be at play but what else is it that organizations can really do to remain truly competitive. I suppose where I'm heading here is, is tenure is dropping. So people are going to organizations, they're thirsty for new experiences, they're thirsty for new challenges, and maybe they're there for a year, 18 months, two years. That's not sustainable in anybody's language. So what else do you believe when they're thinking about that attraction and they're thinking about really recruiting somebody in how can they remain competitive in the market it's staying ahead of the curve like benefits are pretty standard aren't they um it's the perks i think that will set you aside so 
it's you know the hybrid working that that's an option for people and we can touch on that in more detail in a in a second but it's it's still it's it's the lighter things that you probably don't really think about so it might be breakfast on a friday or an early finish could be having things in your office i've just been to see a client who are getting a pool table and things like that so it's a nice collaborative thing for people to do instead of like video games that um, they can get up they're stood up they're moving around the table they're together and to kind of touch on that it's, it's the well-being of employees so we have something called feel fresh fridays and we get someone in to come and do a hit class or yoga or they might come in and teach them a dance that they can put on tiktok and it's really looking after them they've all they're all healthier happier some people have lost weight some people are a lot more confident and body positive now it's the little things like that they're focusing on well-being and mental health and team building, I think, is a really big one, especially if you've got businesses in different locations, bringing everybody together to build relationships with, form bonds, build rapport, and for their managers, leaders, bosses, owners of businesses to be there as well, not as their boss, but as a human person that's just the same as them, getting to know each other um, and, and, and forming those relationships. I think it's the things like that that make the difference and it's the things that people don't necessarily think about and it's the things that pre probably really don't cost that much money in comparison to some of the more the ones that might come into your mind more easily it's how people feel like i can't remember who said it but someone said once people will always remember how you make them feel and it is so true so sometimes it isn't necessarily what you say it's what you do and it's how you make people feel so just little perks, little rewards, incentives, flexibility, creating a beautiful place for people to come and be, a safe space to, to be with each other. And then team building, allowing them to get to know each other. Because if they've got bonds with each other, they're less likely to want to leave that team to go somewhere else because yeah. they love the people that they work with. They love the person they work for. They really understand them. They resonate with them. They, they trust them. You're kind of bolstering yourself up and really minimizing the reasons why they might go like, yes, they might go for salary. They might go for progression they're probably two of the ma major ones but there's a lot a lot more that you can offer that might might make up for the money like money is not everything people want to be happy all through the conversations we've had we've looked for threads we've looked for themes i think one of the biggest ones was the basics matter that that was coming through loud and clear but on an earlier episode we spoke with david hyatt david has a team of 31 people in west wales they make some of the best jeans in the world, Hyatt Denim. And he reiterated many of the points that you mentioned. And what Simon and I were trying to do with David was, I suppose, to go, if that can happen in a team, you can scale it. And, yeah. you know, he he had his own little things around team building. I mean, one of his big ones was you've just got to go out and dance and drink with your teammates and just got to go and have a drink and have a chat. You know, but his biggest one of all in terms of how he worked, which we really took away was... He, he does huge sessions on clarity. You know, he has 15 minutes where he gets his whole team together and simply asks the question, what don't you know? What do you need to know? What would you like to know? Gives them some post-it notes. They don't sit down. They don't have biscuits. They don't get comfortable. They just do 15 minutes. And he says the best thing he's ever done. Great idea. It's a top tip. They're great ideas. But that cult is, so it's, again, this thing around culture. What does it feel like? And you mentioned that quote. It's one of my favorite quotes by Maya Angelou. You know, long after you've left, people will forget what you did and what you said, but they will never forget how you made them feel. It's an amazing quote. So one of the things then, just following on, so we've wooed somebody, we've got them into the process, they like the organization, we've recruited them, brilliant, great. The thing that we're hearing, though, a lot at the moment is keeping hold. Too often we, we talk to organizations who will say 75% of our voluntary turnover is within that nine to 12 month period. What is it that you are hearing and seeing about retention? Because I'm sure you are. So take hybrid. This is a huge debate. I don't think anybody's cracked this. I don't think anybody's got that manual page of how does hybrid really work culturally? How do leaders sort of emotionally adapt to it? How does the organization keep it? What are you hearing or seeing about that retention of talent that people genuinely, genuinely could be doing something differently? I get asked a lot about how to keep hold of, of their team. And it's probably, I'm probably going to repeat myself what I've already said, but it, it's just, it's mainly looking after your people, whatever that means for you. 
look after them, care for them, give them the opportunities, do anonymous surveys, get some real honest answers. I'm a firm believer of regular reviews as well. So four, uh, four weekly one-to-ones, as well as your annual appraisal and the six-month point, regular opportunities to talk to your team, a safe space. But sometimes they still might not want to tell you something that they think might upset you. If they really respect you as a leader, they won't want to hurt your feelings and so they might not always tell you things but what they may more likely to do is when it's an anonymous survey they feel a lot more comfortable and confident and and you get some real answers some things that you you can really work on so i, I don't really like the words uh, you know losing and failing because i feel like you either win or you learn something if everything was plain sailing everyone did what they were supposed to do and there were no challenges to overcome no one would ever would never learn anything would never progress it would be a bit boring, I suppose. Although when there are some challenges, I'm like, why can't everything just go smoothly for once? <laughs> and then after I'm like, oh, it was okay. We learned something. So yes, you might get some negative feedback. I like to term it constructive feedback, but that's that's where the real change happens. Like everyone just said, oh, it's an amazing place to work all the time. You'd never change anything. But when they tell you, well, I would, I would like you maybe to start doing this, or I would like to stop doing this, or I'd like to change this. You can't do it all, but you could really pick out the key things. And you're like, do you know what? We could change that, and we could do that. And yeah, maybe we don't need to do that. Um, and then it's, so you're showing that you see that you, you care about their opinion, you value their thoughts, you're listening to them. And then obviously don't just do the survey, don't do anything with it and never mention it again, because they'll be thinking, well, what was the point of that? Tell them why you're doing it. Ask them you, that you would really appreciate their honesty. And and then to ask, have a session after saying, right, these were the results. This is what people said. These are things that we're going to look at first. And they're like, oh my God, my that's mine. That was my thought. That was my idea. And they will feel so good that they've helped. They're helping shape the business. And you can go, you can do what you need to do to keep hold of your people because they're telling you what, how you can keep hold of them listen to them and and implement what they've said obviously where you can with with you know obviously within the realms of possibility and you will go that bit further to being able to keep hold of them do you think organizations are listening well enough no i don't think they are it still speaks so many people that are like well i, I don't want to put my arm around them they're here to work they're here to do a job like you know they get paid to do a job and it's like oh my god there's so much more to it than that now you're just going to lose all your people and i feel really sad for you and then you're not gonna be able to hire any people because the world's moved on and you just i don't and then i worry for those businesses because they're just gonna they're gonna get left behind and, and i don't know who's gonna work for them like really your your employees are your most treasured assets without your employees unless you're a one man a one woman one man band you can't have a business without them delivering the product or the service so you look after them they look after your customers everybody wins exactly simon your thoughts yeah just on that point of listening uh, i think that's a that's a great shout laura do you think it's worth you know when somebody unfortunately does say they want to move on it's always worth asking you know why are you moving on and you'll get hopefully some insights into maybe some of the things that weren't there that they were hoping for but do you think it's also worth asking what's attracting them to the company that they're going to join so yeah. that you can actually get some insights as to what are they doing differently that you could perhaps absorb back into your own recruitment offer or or maybe you can't you can't achieve everything of course yeah. but i think yeah it, it just adds that extra dimension to well what what is attracting you elsewhere as opposed to just the negatives of why are you leaving yeah definitely sometimes when people are leaving they don't want to tell you the reasons because it, it, they've just resigned so as much as People say, you know, don't take it personally. You, you are I, you know, a leader, a manager, boss. You're still a human person. You have an emotional response, although you're not supposed to in these situations. But so and they've built themselves up to having to try and tell you this news that they know is probably not going to go down very well. Like obviously going to be disappointed. So in that moment to then tell you why might be difficult for them. So we always suggest to get somebody else involved, whether you have your own internal HR team or you outsource it. When that's happened to us in the past, I've asked our outsource HR to do calls or meetings with the team to try and get to the bottom of why they're leaving. But then to touch on your other point, in the sales capacity, every business does competitor analysis. You have a sales team, a sales strategy, you have a marketing strategy and a marketing team. You need all of that for your recruitment and your retention, it's just a different message because 
candidates, employees care about different things than your customers do. So still do competitor analysis. And what are your competitors doing? Look at their employer branding campaign. Look at them on social media. Check out their careers page. Try to find out by talking to candidates what their benefits are, what their perks are, how they incentivize people and, and really analyze what they're doing so you can pick up steal all the best bits and make your your proposition even better than it already was and, and better than your competitors, definitely. Because it is a proposition and it is broad, you know, so let's touch on hybrid for just, just for one second. This is a huge debate. I Listen, yeah. I don't think the world is ever going to go back. And I think the wrong question is, you know, should you be in the office or can you work hybrid? But it must be coming up as a factor in some of the candidates and some of the organisations that you're now, because some, I think, don't support it. I don't think is correct. What What are you hearing? A real mixed bag, to be fair. When you speak, some candidates, I think, are just a bit spoiled these days. They're like the Mariah Careys of the world. They're getting a very, very diva-esque at the moment. And like, well, I don't want to ever be in an office or travel to work or commute. So like you speak to people about, um, I don't know, a 25-minute commute. And they, they're like, well, I've been working from home. I don't want to commute. You're like, oh, wow, OK. And some people are finding it really difficult. And they're... I think they're going to struggle because it's all about your culture and your personality. What kind of business are you? What is the ethos, the environment, the feel? How do you work together? How do you collaborate? And then you have to figure out whether that can be done working from home, hybrid or in the office. We have a culture. No one wants to work from home because they all love being around each other. So that's fine. Um, if it was a common theme and everybody wanted hybrid working, we would look at it. They've all got the flexibility and the tools and the technology to work from home. And there is flexibility if they want it. They like being in the office. We've made it beautiful for them and they love each other. So we've we've really nailed down our values and our culture and we're hiring the right people. So they, they all get on with each other, which is amazing. But that's not to be said that people that want to work from home or hybrid don't like each other. It's just different types of businesses. So a lot of our technology based clients, they have more remote working options and hybrid because they need to focus it. You know, the, 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 the techies of the world, the web developers, the software developers, they need to focus on their programming and their, and their coding. So they need to not be distracted. So that lends itself better to hybrid working and remote working. They don't need to be in the office. And so I think it depends what your business does, um, what your product or service is, what the culture of it is, the personality of the people in it. And then, then you should create what kind of working option that you should have. And then right. you need to attract by nailing down your culture and your personality and understanding the people in it and then figuring out your working options, then it's easier to go out and do the recruitment because you know who will fit and who won't. And Correct. you won't have the issue with, well, I can't get anyone to come and work in the office because you're obviously targeting the wrong candidates. So it's just walking it back, figuring some a strategy really and having a plan and then kind of moving forward with it. You're right, though. You're, you're you're hiring to the type of organization you aspire to be and, and who's going to fit with that. And you're right, not everybody will. And that's life. I just think, though, we're just going to have to accept, though, that there will be swathes of the population who want to work in a certain way at a certain time from a certain location, don't want to blend or don't want to do this. And I, I don't think that's going to stop. But um, but it's a very good point. It's an interesting point. So I'm conscious of the clock. And just oh, sorry, Laura. So I just to touch on the hybrid as well. What works mm. really well for companies that we work with is having the set days of hybrid. So they're all working from home on a certain day and they're all in the office on certain days, because what we worry about with hybrid and remote working is that you're going to lose your culture. So if you're all in and out of the office at the same days, so you're all back in together, that's a real tip, I suppose. And that's where hybrid working, in my opinion, works really well. Good point, but you don't want to lose the culture. Simon, thoughts? Yeah, in the intro, Michael, you talked about that there's becoming a scenario where there are more open positions than candidates. And we've talked throughout here about how do you attract people to your organisation and is it the power of the candidate, et cetera? Let, let, let's flip that round. You know, we, we've done a good job at that. And now we've got more people applying than we expected. I mean, do you think that there still is that obligation? And this is back to that recurring themes we're hearing in other podcasts about being kind. Do you think there's an obligation of that organisation to be kind to the people that aren't successful and to provide feedback and to give them that honest review of why they weren't successful? Because 
they could be customers in the future. They could reapply again in the future, but they've gone out of their way to say, I want to work for you. And and, and doesn't that necessitate some sort of feedback from the customer to say, you know, thank you, but unfortunately this time you weren't successful. What, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, and it's one of the biggest bugbears of candidates. And they think that it's always the recruitment businesses issue that we don't give them that feedback. We don't always get it. And one of our slogans is powered by kindness. Um, we believe that candidates and clients are all people. They, they all deserve to be treated with kindness and respect, and, and especially candidates. So we make a point in our recruitment process, every single candidate that is interested in the job, whether we've attracted them or they've applied, gets a decision at the very least. They get an email if they're a bit too late to the party, say the, the job is you know progressing or it's filled. They get, if they've not been right and they've not had a phone call, they get an email saying they're unsuitable. So everybody, varying degrees of feedback, obviously wherever we can get the interview feedback and the CV feedback of the client, we pass it on because A, you're protecting the brand and reputation of your business or the business that you're recruiting for because bad news travels much faster than good news. So if they've not been treated well, they've not had a decision, they have no idea what's going on, it's been a really long convoluted process, they're going to tell other people that. So if by at the very least do it for yourselves and protect your brand and your reputation, but then look after the candidates, pay it forward, lead with kindness, help them, they will remember how you've made them feel. They might, if they've not got enough experience, if you treat them well, they'll come back. They'll leave you a positive interview review on Glassdoor, which is what you want. They'll tell other people how amazing the process was, even though they've not got the job. Um, and like you said, they could, they could know someone who could be a client, could be married to someone who's your ideal customer or they might be in a more senior position in the future and come back to you it's, it's always better to to keep those bridges up and constructed and, and not burn them and it, it doesn't take that long and once you figure out how to do it it is easy to do and I think it's really really important and another thing that's important at the moment especially with it being a candidate marketplace is urgency and pace one of our clients randomly and unexpectedly went on holiday for four weeks and she didn't want to final stage our candidate till she got back. And I was like, oh my God, um, is anyone else that could do the interview? She's, she said, no, unfortunately not. And then we, we lost that candidate. She accepted an, another job. But like in any situation, especially now where there's more opportunities than candidates, urgency and pace, feedback as quickly as possible, have a short time in between your interviews, make decisions fast, deliver your offers quickly, verbally, with passion and enthusiasm. <laughs> That's a that's a great story. That is, isn't it? I mean, four week holiday. That's nice. Lovely. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, but but yeah. But that's it. We have no patience anymore. We 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 don't. Let's be candid. We don't have any patience anymore. So we we're going to get to our last question, which we we always ask all of our guests, which is your top tips, your wisdom, your pieces of advice, and you've given tons, right? So if there's anything, so you may say, I've given it, Michael. You've heard it all. That's it. Or on top of them, I would give these one or two little tips. What would you be suggesting to our listeners? I think on top of like the being kind and treating people well and urgency and pace and the personality, communication, energy and enthusiasm, it's just to be yourself. Stop trying to be your competitors. Stop trying to be people you know who you think you should be. Once I realised to be my authentic self, you know. And I understood that not everybody would like that. Not everybody want to come and work for me. Not everyone will work with me and be a customer. And that's okay. I can't take on everybody. Not at the moment anyway. It's all right. You're not going to appeal to everybody. So just figure out who you are as a, if it's your business, you will set the culture and the values because it's an extension of your beliefs. It's your business. So figure out who you are, who and what that is. And just be that unapologetically be yourself online wherever and you will attract your tribe and um, you just need to figure out what you, your vibe is first and then they will, will will follow you and the right people will I feel like my team would follow me to the ends of the earth and I've not always felt like that it took me a while to kind of figure it out and get it right you know through trial and error where a lot of the time I'm my own guinea pig for customers but be be yourselves unapologetically and you will attract the right kind of people um Recruitment is like dating. No one mentioned the word wooing before. So, you know, we always, you go, you know, you have a bit of a chat on whatever dating out. You might meet someone and then you have your, your first date, which is your interview, um, and then your second date. And then, um, you know, you get into a relationship and, oh, they start the job. And when you're in a relationship, you don't just 
you don't go on your dates and woo them and then you're in you go steady or you like become girlfriend and boyfriend or boyfriend and boyfriend or whatever the dynamic is you don't then just stop like putting time and effort in or, or if you do that relationship ends and as a business it's the same when they start you go in steady I I they've joined your business you have you don't just stop with the relationship but a lot of businesses do and then they're like oh all these people are leaving and they don't know why I'm like well that's why because you just stopped putting the effort in in a in a marriage you might go to couples counseling you know and, and they'll say you're not communicating with each other and it's the same in a business those would be my my two two tips <laughs> I didn't think we were going to get couples counselling in this conversation today. <laughs> Brilliant. But do you know what? These analogies are so <laughs> true. Outside of work today, I think we really cracked this thing called being connected. And I think we use technology to facilitate that. And so consequently, then when we come into the workplace, we want to feel connected in a variety of different ways. But it, it comes back down to that being cared for Go back to the DNA of the human being. What do people really need at the end of the day to go home and say, I had a good day? And I think that's the that's the trick, isn't it? Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, what a great conversation. I've loved it. I've thoroughly enjoyed myself. I could talk to you guys about this stuff all day, but I know I've not got all day. <laughs> Careful, we'll invite you back. We'll invite you back for a part two. So, um, but no, this is such an important, but it is important, isn't it? I mean, this this affects people's lives. It can be life changing in many respects mm -hmm. also. And you've referenced mental health, which is an area that Simon and I have touched upon, but we are going to focus on in quite a lot more detail. And I and I don't doubt for one second that, as you said, when you get into the organization and you get into that socialization period, how you then feel has a material impact on your life and, and what that looks like. One area we haven't touched upon, we, we haven't necessarily had the time, but I do have a degree of sympathy for leaders today in terms of the role they have to play and being emotionally adaptive to the, the different expectations and preferences. It isn't easy. You know, the most complex computer in the world is the human brain and, and, and the human being. And being able to understand every unique individual that comes across your path isn't easy. It, it isn't at all. And we will touch on that in future episodes. We have already a couple of times, but I think we need to delve a little bit more deeper into... How do leaders now respond and enable this new era of working and this new preferences of working? So, Laura, on behalf of myself and Simon, thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you for sharing all of your insights, your energy, your passion. Uh, it's been a brilliant, brilliant conversation. Thank you. Oh, you are so welcome. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for, for being interested in what I've got to say. So, Simon, I know we say it every time. I loved that conversation with Laura. Great passion, great energy. You know, one of the reasons why we, we approached Laura in the first place is because this is such a dynamic and changing process. She has a very clear voice, is very passionate about making this a success for candidates, but also obviously for the business. So many great insights, great tips, great points. So as always, Let's reflect. Let's think about, you know, what are you and I taking away? And may I start with your good self? So what were some of your takeaways from the conversation with Laura? So I think probably two key reflections, you know, and both of those are builds upon previous episodes that we've had. So the first reflection is what a lovely accent. We, we get a lot of accents and we get a lot of personalities on the podcast. So great to hear a, a northern accent come across. It was lovely uh, and and generally nice. You know, Laura was lovely to speak to. Um, I think the other thing that resonated to me, though, and, and again, it's been a feature of previous episodes is about being kind. Um, you know, she mentioned the T-shirt she had you know, for, um, and, and talked about that. But I think you know the, the phrase that she mentioned in particular that resonated was that candidates will remember how you make them feel. You know, they may not may remember the process, they may not remember the role they applied for in years to come, but they will remember how you made them feel, whether that's good, whether that's bad, frustrated, uh, and energized. 
And I think that's really important because it's all about how you make somebody feel. And if you can make them feel, you know, a million dollars, then it, even if they're not successful, they, they may continue to be a customer of yours. They may come back and, and apply again. They may just tell a friend about the pleasant experience they had, which might encourage them to apply. So I think that's really crucial. But, you know, not just that. I think you have to put, sort of put yourself in that candidate's shoes, isn't it? And it's not just about your timeline. But it's about their timeline, which I know you had some thoughts on. I, I mean, building on what you just said, this, this, we're, we're in an era where it's very, it's almost a circle, isn't it? You know, somebody may not be successful with, with an application, but they may be a customer of yours. You know, so I, I, it really did resonate with me that Laura was very clear on that kindness. We've heard it before, right? We've heard it on many of the conversations. But that point she mentioned there about somebody who's hiring, went on holiday for four weeks and there was no urgency there was no pace and they lost the candidate and to your point yes there's got to be that great urgency there's got to be an appreciation of the fact that a candidate now is working at pace they're making decisions they have choice respect that i think the other the other piece for me and we were talking about the evp you know know the person be kind but promote your culture you know, really, whatever you do, she talked about videos, didn't she? And bringing it to life and being your authentic self and, you know, demonstrating to the market what you stand for. And then your opposite. And I think then what she was saying is that the, the chances that you, uh, the chances that you will basically attract people who will fit your culture. And I think that was a really important message. Well, it was a great that she talked to, you know, about the honesty, the transparency. But at the heart of that, and again, at the heart of our podcast, it's being human. And yeah. it's being yourself, isn't it? It's not trying to be something that you're not. Uh, because if you're yourself and you're, in, and you're the right self, then other people will come and, and want to work with you. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, you know, it, it, again, it is it demonstrated for me, Simon, that we didn't quite get into it today. But I keep wanting to go back to the role of the leader. I, I still want to go back into how is leadership being redefined across all of these processes because it isn't just about attracting, it isn't about just recruiting, or it's the whole nine yards. And and I think the leader role today, more than ever, is just fundamental to how that person feels all the way through their journey. Because experience for me is emotional. And I think that came through today. Great episode, loved it. Big, big thank you to Laura. And um, Simon, until the next episode, we hope everybody enjoys this great uh, conversation. But until then, goodbye. Goodbye.